On to round two, in front of an expectant crowd, a very noisy crowd, a very enthused crowd who want to see the best diving. And that's exactly what they're going to do in this Olympic final of the three-meter springboard. Clayton Oliver. Going for a forward two-and-a-half somersaults, two twists. No, he's done okay. His takeoff just letting him down a little bit. Capturing all the footage, the coaches using the tablets there to instantly capture the dive. Just a little bit back from the end of the diving board. So when he comes out into his double twist here, he's falling a little bit too quickly. And so it runs out of room a little bit. It's still good. I'm sure it will go over 75, seven and a half and eights, which is a good dive. But wow, you know, this is the Olympic final. Welcome to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm joined this week by Chizo. How you going, man? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Glad to be on the uh, the Monday podcast. We've uh, we've downgraded Pistol, I think. No, no, I think we've upgraded him. Oh, all right, okay. So I'm 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 the uh, the Hugh Greenwood to your Tom Lynch. Exactly right. He's, um, he's a definite <laughs> downgrade. He's a definite downgrade. Um, how'd your week go, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, considering I. Had, I'm way too stubborn to get rid of Fife and all that. Uh, Gaz and Fife on the bench still got me 2,200 and slipped about 300 rankings to 2,200. Not bad, not bad. 2,200 while having those two on the bench. You can only look up from there. I um, I climbed a little bit. I jumped 50-odd ranks to 193 with a 2,330. So had a decent week with Gaz on the bench. Hopefully he comes back this week and has a massive one because... He's been underwhelming in the two weeks that I've owned him, that's for sure. Um, we'll jump straight into the round review this week, and it starts off with Hugh Greenwood, Chizo, 127 for our Supercoach teams. More importantly, he's going to make us a lot of cash and could go straight up to Gorn. Look, it's one of those ones where he's just been absolutely killing it. Like, not only did he have a fantastic super coach game, but he also got a ton of the ball. We got 21 disposals, 12 contested, nine tackles. Uh, he took six marks, kicked two goals. He was literally everywhere to to the point that you know we thought we were going to be able to trade him out at 300k. He might be anywhere between 350 to 400 if he keeps this form up. Yeah, it looks like he's going to get to 350 this week if he gets anything um, around the 80 mark. So his break-even is going to be low for a while. Looks like 400 is definitely achievable, achievable in a fortnight. And then we'll go on to the next one. I said achievable there. That was an accidental yeah, pun. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're going to roll with that. Um, Tom Mitchell in this one, 101. Now, he's dropped down to 588K now. So he's slightly more affordable. If you're considering a premium and you had to choose between him, the, the Zach Merritts, the Dane Zorkos, and the Lockie Neals, um, due to consistency, Tom Mitchell has to be high on your list. Um, I think they're all quite similar players. I think, uh, you know, I, I said it on the, the, the Thursday pod, uh, Tom Mitchell, Lockie Neal, Zach Merritt, they're all the same type of accumulator player that they don't really hurt you with their disposals. I mean, like he had, um, what do you have, 38 touches or something ridiculous on the weekend for 101 points, you know what I mean? So, so it, it's... He's always going to accumulate the possession. It's about whether or not he can be damaging with the ball that is going to be determining whether he's going to go, you know, 110 plus. So um, I think he's been pretty consistent all year. And across the board, the three of them, you could just, you know, throw a hat on uh, between the two of them and uh, the three of them and decide which one you want to get. It's, it's basically personal preference. You can't go wrong by the end of the year. They'll all be averaging pretty similar. Yeah, I definitely agree. And someone that won't be averaging up near them if he keeps getting tagged week in and week out is Rory Sloan. So teams that tag Rory Sloan are three in four against the Crows. So three wins, just the one loss, which was St. Kilda. He scored 80 this week, and he's just not handling it that well. And I think the most unfortunate thing here is Crows aren't playing that well, so he's just going to be a likely target, it's similar to what Jason, Jason Johannesson is now for the Bulldogs. And it's it's influencing the game, isn't it? Like um, I, I know exactly what you're saying. How like they they've lost like three out of four games where he's been tagged. It's basically showing everyone else in the competition that 
the weak point in Adelaide, as we all thought, is definitely the midfield. Now that they've kind of got halfway through the season and they've been figured out, you know, send someone to their number one midfielder. Who else you got to stand up from Adelaide? You got a Brad Crouch standing up with like 30 touches and six of them go the wrong direction. You know, like you take out their number one cog it's, and they're, they're in big trouble, Adelaide. Yeah, and Matt Crouch is definitely an accumulator. But like you said earlier, he's one of those ones that just isn't damaging either. He, he kicks it back, forward, sideways, generally not inside their own forward 50. He just sort of extracts the pill to one of their more running players. But um, cut off the head of the snake and the, the rest will die off. And that seems to be the case with Rory Sloan. Now, late in this one, only with a 72, um, has been a model of consistency this year. A couple of blunders in the last fortnight, uh, in the last month, sorry, but... I don't think there's anything to worry about with Laird. He'll um he'll bounce back next week as always, and we'll jump into the next game, Cheezo. It was your mob taking on Sydney. What do you think of this result? Um, it honestly, looking from an un, unbiased view, the last five minutes of this match were some of the best minutes of football that I've I've ever seen. Really, I thought it was completely putrid. That like, <laughs> I, I I could talk for a whole podcast on this. Two minutes to go, you're two goals up, and you're trying to play slow, sideways, and backwards footy, trying to, you know, Sydney's one of the best pressure sides. You're at the SCG where there's little space, and you're trying to do these little 15-meter kicks inside your defensive 50, and then force yourself to make that long kick down the line to literally nobody, or try and kick it on Tipper's head from 60 meters away. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. And, you know, it could have easily be circumvented if, if BJ had just taken two steps out of the out of the goal square and kicked it rather than trying to take another 20 down, kick it as long as he could. Just It, it just makes zero sense to me how, how blasé Essendon was in those last two minutes. So watching it from a body language perspective, it was almost as if um, they thought they'd won it. They, they, they were just like, wait for the clock to tick down. The runners told us we got 60 seconds. That's just it. Do you think Goddard will be on kicking duties for a while? Well, I think he will, but <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I turned it off. As soon as it turned, as, as the he turned it over into the boundary line, I was like, no, nah, not watching it. This is done. I'm, I'm sick of this and proven right. Yeah, well, you missed you missed a good 30 seconds of remaining of football. From a, from a bystander's point of view, it, it was very, uh, very exciting stuff. Now, on to the main player in this game, and that's Zachary Merritt. So those that were tossing up Merritt and Neil, they took a, those Neil um, owners took a decent hit to the tune of 50 points this week. Merritt was insane. He had 141 points, and if it weren't for the result, I think he would have gone a lot higher than that. Um, I think he was a little capped off by the momentum that Sydney had in the last 10 to 15 minutes there, but Zachary Merritt, a huge tick for those who got him in this week. Absolutely, the the old uh, pistol versus JB uh, last week there, mate. Um, <laughs> I, the, the the thing that probably differentiates Zach Merritt for me compared to say the the you know the Tom Mitchell and Lockie Neal scenario that we've been talking about is they're all very similar accumulators. But Zach Merritt for me has a really good left peg on him. Is 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 slightly better than the other two. Kick wise, I think his his kick is underrated. I was uh, listening to James Kelly on one of the AFL podcasts during the week, and he was just saying that you know the innate skill that Zach has to turn his body to make his opponent think he's kicking in one direction and being able to whip it across his body and hit someone at full tilt thirty meters across his body is. Um, and and watching him on the weekend, I really can see that he's going to be an exceptional exceptional player for the Bombers for a long time to come. Yeah, he definitely will. He's he's so young as well, and he's going to be exceptional for our super coaches for a long time to come because he's just someone that that is he's a little more damaging than the Tom Mitchell and accumulates it almost as much so um, he's someone that'll be on our lips for years and years to come I'd say now JPK um, put out a 127 a lot of people um, sort of forgot about him when deciding between these Neils and these Zerrits and that um, with a half decent run home for Sydney um, they're looking to get into that top eight JPK at 550k is now a good 30 or 40k cheaper than, than most of the most talked talked about players. Is he a great option as well, Chizo? Absolutely. I mean, it was probably two or three weeks ago where I think it was Pistol and I on the Thursday pod uh, were t- tossing up between, uh, you know, it was that old Rocky versus JPK scenario, you know, um, two guys that were looking to upgrade coming off buys and, and whatever round it was. And we we came up with that stat that JPK over the last three years has gone like 117 average from the buys until the end of the season or something ridiculous like that. And 
we all thought, you know, what's more, what's more of a risk, going Rockcliffe and him getting injured or not going Rockcliffe and watching him score 150s and completely destroy your season? And then in hindsight, you just so wish you could have picked JPK because watching him play the game, he's really looking like he's starting to relish that new captaincy role, which he seemed to struggle early on in the year. He's getting his hands on the pill. He's had like four or five rounds in a row uh, of 30-plus dis- uh, disposals. He really is starting to look like someone that's going to be a fantastic player. And um, the, o- the only thing for me is that he's probably not quite a point of difference as what you'd expect. I think he's up around the 18 to, to 20% mark, whereas the, you know, the Lockie Neals and the Zach Merritt's eight percent and less um but, but jpk you when you're you're really struggling to decide you always go with the, the tried and true method and you just you know he's gonna put up big numbers on the run home yeah i don't think you can go wrong with any of those options but jpk owners definitely um definitely had a welcome surprise this week with a, a decent score by jpk um those who went early as a pod in defense 112 players would just be very very happy because he's a huge point of difference he's been very good this year um, and then again, those who were de- that were deciding between Heaney and Buddy, the ones that sided with Heaney, ended up pocketing an extra twenty-one points this week. He's been exceptional week in and week out. Lloyd fell agonizingly short of the ton this week, as did Hannah's with just the ninety-seven. But um, just a little blip on his radar. I'm, I'm assuming he'll bounce back strong. The one that I really want to discuss with you, Chizo, is Nick Newman. Now. He had a major part in um, in winning that game with Sydney as he kicked one of the last few goals. So a big score boost there. But he ended up with 90 again. And we discuss this every single week. If you're tossing up between trading Heath Shaw, who's been shocking lately, and Nick Newman, you have to side with the rookie in this instance. I can tell you that I've got Heath Shaw at D5 and I've got Nick Newman at D6. And I'll tell you this, I'm too bloody stubborn to get rid of Heath Shaw. I started the season with him. I spent all that money. I'm not getting rid of him. I I, I don't care what you try. What Pistol says on the my inbox every morning. Ah, oh, you got to get rid of Heater now. Like ah ha ha. I did it. I did it three weeks ago. And look how well my team's going. It's not happening. Every year I burn through trades, and I get to the end of the season. It's like Heater sure starts putting up one twenties. It's just like no. I wish I just had saved that trade and just kept the faith. I'd rather for me. I feel like. With the limited trades I have already covering injuries and stuff going into the... Look, I was lucky to, to save my trades this week with, um, you know, Scooter was was a chance to miss. And then I had a donut in the midfield with, with Fife and Gaz already on the bench. Um, for me, I, I'd, I would rather kind of consolidate my D7 and, and make sure that I don't have those those donuts, which I've, I always seem to have towards the end of the year, than I am to sideways premiums. That, and the thing is, they've already lost all that money. So you, it's not like you can go a, a heater to Doherty. You have to find 200K to do that. Yeah, you're still you know what I mean? So, loss. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, like uh, I, I've, I've, the way I see it, I've already got him. Uh, I'm just going to back him in. Like uh, I'm already, you know, it's it's round fifteen or whatever. There's no point like trying to, you know, uh, catch up now. It's already so far into the season that I might as well just keep backing him in. Yeah, I'm of the I'm of the mold that if you've got five or more trades and a bit of cash, I'd be getting rid of Heath Shaw at any instance you can. I mean, you're losing fifty, almost fifty to sixty points on him each week by not having someone like. I mean, people are still missing Doherty. People are still missing Adams, Laird, these types of players. They're uber premiums. They're the players that you need to get in. And if you don't have them in in place of someone like Heath Shaw, I, I think you're just losing too many points. Even if you're playing league games, get the trade done. It could be the difference between a win yeah. or a loss. Um, but I do understand because many of us have been burned on the other side. People that traded out Trelaw earlier in the year are kicking themselves. Although he didn't have a great game this week with just... The 91 points, I believe he had. It, it, he still just went bang, 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 bang after everyone had traded him out. Same same with Bontempelli yep. this week. A lot of people traded him out after a bad month, 132 straight off the bat. So having said that, we're going to jump into the um, Pistol vs. JB game. <laughs> and it was JB taking the chocolates by 31 points. Um, I, I'm honestly watching this um, game. I feel like it was one of the most boring of the round. Because we just smashed him, Cheezo. It, it was a bit of a walk in the park. <laughs> uh, I feel like none of them really showed up except Jeremy Howe, who put up 125. Side bottom as well, he put up 125. But anyways, um, I feel like we just flogged him. And Robbie Gray, 146 super coach points. He's still less than 500k, Cheezo, kicking five goals with 20 disposals and just having a hand in almost every goal port kicked. 
is he actually a sly option at 476k? Look, he can't be worse than Tommy Lynch at this stage. Like, <laughs> watching the Saints and Gold Coast game, you think he has to be carrying something because he's just not moving like the, you know, the 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 killer forward that was so big and last year going towards the Coleman right at the end of the year. The thing with Robbie Gray is he didn't get this cheap for no reason. Yeah, you know, he. In a game where you know, you know the 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 Stephen Milne bounce in the 2010 grand, drawn grand final that you know that that rub of the green doesn't happen week in week out. So Robbie Gray has had a game that everything went his way, and the, you know the 13 weeks previous, why why was he un, why was he under 500k to that point? I think the fact that we well we know his roles changed, don't we? We we know he's now an 80% stay at home forward with a couple runs through the midfield when they need some of that spark. He's not going to be kicking five goals and having, you know, 16 score involvements every single week. But, you know, if, if you're willing to take a punt, then, you know, it's, as I said, it, it can't get worse than Tommy Lynch is playing right now. I can say, um, well, well, first of all, Tom Lynch is just a, a forward, whereas Robbie Gay is a midfielder only. Um, but regardless, I understand the comparison. But... Robbie Gray, he's had two really good weeks in a row, and Ken Hinckley, rather facetiously, sarcastically, or seriously, did say in the presser, well, we played with an uninjured Robbie Gray this game. Uh, could, could it potentially be just the turning around for Robbie Gray? Could he be over all his leg issues, all his, all his groin issues that was holding him back? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a very, very risky punt, but if you just had... Nothing, nothing to lose. If you just had to throw your, throw your trade at someone. If you, if you had an underperforming premium that everyone has in their team, like Fife, um, you know the rest of your league is too stubborn to trade Fife out. Robbie Gray could be that point of difference that he, he could just bag a few goals on the right day. I feel like he's um he's he's a risk probably not worth taking in in most formats, especially not league ranking. I mean, especially not ranking or league if you're already on top, etc. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But if you're if you've got a bit of a desperate play in you, he could be a sneaky option, uh, Chizo. A very sneaky option. Now Pendles, Adams, and Grundy were stock standard in this one. 109 for Pendles, 99 for Adams, and 93 for Grundy. So nothing out of the ordinary. I do have a bit of a weird scenario for you, Chizo. So we're all dealing with Nankivis, and I mean I'm sure you've seen the articles during the week. Um, most people would have. I think it's the exact quote was. Is Nank's tank empty? I mean, great play on words there. I think we've all used Nank the tank during the year. Um, but is his tank empty? Is it worth potentially looking at a swap, keeping that forward ruck um, player in your side and looking towards someone averaging 90 who's actually storming home like Patrick Ryder? Yeah, Paddy Ryder, as is, is you say. Just, just say that again for me, Paddy Ryder. Patrick Ryder? No! <laughs> he's storming home. Jeez, though, he's... he's Storming home. What if you have like excess trades? And I mean, it could be the difference between 30, 40 points per week. Nank's tank's empty. Haven't you read the articles? I mean, if I was looking for a 93 averaging forward, I'd go get like Tommy Lynch or something like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I like. Hey, you, you, I think you're doing yourself a disservice going from a Nank the Tank to a Paddy Ryder. Is, is, is Paddy Ryder really going to come home and, and be that? To, like, you. Uh, who out here isn't waiting for Max Gorn to, to drop down in price and be able to use that link to get um, Max Gorn? And like the the idea is to have Nank the Tank at F seven. Like whether he's he's always this is his first real season of AFL. He's never been number number one ruck. He's still young, and he is going to tire, especially being having you know he's been rucking solo it's not like he's goldstein or uh, you know steph martin or someone like that that uh, has rucked for seasons on end and has this tank build up um he's he's going to have games where he's going to tire and we brought it up on the on the thursday pod that he's his stats over the last um i think it was like the last six weeks he's averaging less than 80 but his forward ruck dpp is so handy that if we do have another dire scenario with Gorn going down again, say he does the other hamstring or whatever, at least you've got that guy that can cover him. Whereas if we trade him out to just a, a, a standard ruck and something happens, you know, then we then we are stuck. Riders, riders are ruck forward though, Chizo. You still keep that flexibility and you could be gaining another 10, 15 points per week. Yeah, but they're, you know, they're, they're averaging the same. I don't see Ryder coming home and being that 100 
plus point averager, which I think you know, yeah, I think we're going to touch on a little bit, bit, little bit later. I'd, I'd, I'd try and get Cruiser in, and if you're talking about guys storming home, I think he's averaging 130 or something off these last five. That, yeah. that storm, that's storming home. You know, Paddy Ryder averaging like. 97 or something like that's not for me i don't know the, the stats off the top of my head but you know I, I haven't seen him jump out of a game and put up you know 130s for six weeks running and go Shit, we need to get this guy in yeah and that that's exactly right the, you made great points in nank might not even average less than Ryder, let alone less enough to cost you a trade um and if you were going to look for that point grab then you might as well just go hard or go home and grab someone like cruiser so I think you hit the nail on the head. That's just for those people um, that were maybe considering a switch, maybe those that were frustrated with Nank but wanted to keep that forward ruck status. Um, we'll move on to the next game, and it was, um, well, probably the most boring game of the round. It was GWS by 10 goals against the Brisbane Lions. And in this one, I think it was everyone, with, with seeing uh, Kelly go out, and, um, I mean, there was a lot of commentary amongst, like, who's going to step up now? Is it just going to be a team effort? They're just going to share it around more? It was Dylan Shield. Now, for a guy who spends six minutes on the bench every three minutes, 143 Supercoach points is just an amazing effort. And when this guy's on the field, I think he averages something like a, a touch a minute or something stupid like that where he's just not on the field enough. But when he is, he just goes berserk at, at all times. So... A bit of a coming of age for Dylan Shield, and probably one to look at next year, Chizo. I think we've seen this before, haven't we? But you know, a year or so ago, before Josh Kelly was uh, was that inside outside perfect balanced player that picked that you know that that show wire is at pick two. We had Dylan Shield step up. We had the Caniglio step up, and you know Dylan Shield was putting up you know one hundred plus averages over ten week periods. You know, eighteen months ago. I think the fact that Josh Kelly, I know uh, Dylan Shield's been playing a little bit sore this year as well, but. The emergence of Josh Kelly, and don't get me wrong, Dylan Shield was a fantastic player. He was also a high draft pick, but the cleanliness by um, by disposal by Kelly just completely outweighs Dylan Shield's disposal, who's a little bit Tom Mitchell, shall we say, by the way he kicks with his left foot. That I think that the Giants realise that you know Josh Kelly's a real deal now, and we definitely need to have him as one of our main cogs in the midfield. And I think that's also a reason we see the you know the likes of Callum Waters dropped off a little bit this year as well. Um, but as Kelly has gone out and they've had that massive vacant hole that someone needs to fill, you know Dylan Shield jumps straight back in and just takes over that role that we have seen him do you know eighteen months ago. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, I think you're you're spot on with the Kelly factor there. I think he's. He's definitely just sucked the life out of those GWS mids um, in point scoring capacity wise, and he's just a sensational player. He's probably the one that we're more going to look at next year and beyond. So Stefan Martin in this one, um, Archie Smith having played still, Steph Martin knocking up a one twenty eight. So I think any concerns people are having about him, he's now just under five hundred k. If you wanted to upgrade someone like Wits, which um, I'm not sure anyone should really be in a rush to. Or if you're still holding Sanderlands for some godforsaken reason, I think Steph Martin's a very, very safe option. Toby Green, 127. Um, again, there's no real reason to trade him in um, unless you're upgrading a, uh, a mid-priced forward that had just gone wrong or, or something like that. But he's obviously a great option. He served his, his um, yearly ban and um, he's just looking like he's going he's gonna to come home extremely hard. So we'll go down the list a little bit here, and Ryan Bassanak, the player that everyone... Tra- no, wait, no, sorry. Ro- Tom Rockcliffe. <laughs> Tom Rockcliffe, the player that everyone traded in, just the 83, but 27 touches. He ended up with four tackles, five marks. He didn't have that much, uh, that, that bad of a game. I think we're starting to see Rockcliffe turning the cogs a, l- a little bit better, starting to oil up that machine that he is. Maybe we're going to see him storm home. Um, definitely, hopefully, uh, growing out of what the last three weeks has shown us. I tell you what doesn't impress me with a rock lift is when he gets twenty-seven touches. I don't get impressed when you know if someone tells me, "Oh, Tommy Rockliffe's on fifteen touches at half time." I just kind of like raise an eyebrow. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you know, he's he he he's been running around a little bit. What I want to see from Tommy Rockliffe is when he gets you know the thirty you know, the 27, 30 touches, but he puts on 10 tackles. He used to be a tackling beast. He had four this week. Yeah. That, that, you know, that's telling me 
that he's clearly having some issues with that shoulder, whether it be mental, whether it still be painful. I know for a fact that when you sub, uh, when you sublux a shoulder, it's not just a couple week injury and you feel all good again. Your shoulder, your shoulder is one of the most unstable joints in your entire body. So the fact that he's still playing with it strapped. Uh, you know, A, it's still very susceptible to pop out again if he does have another big hit. Look exactly what Shane Mumford did to um, to Dane Beams like out for a month like with a, an AC injury. That could easily have been Tommy Rockliffe's bad shoulder. You know, so when I start seeing him in the thick of it putting up 10 tackles a game again, that's when I really think that we're going to be sure that Tom Rockliffe is back in it. I think, you know, his, his three weeks back since he, his injury have shown us that, you know, we, we definitely know he's playing injured. Yeah, and uh, exactly right. I mean, he's not getting in those contests. He's not getting those contested possessions enough, and he's not getting those tackles. But that's a thing that'll come with time. I mean, Gary Ablett, um, something very similar with the dodgy shoulder, and he wasn't tackling for a month there, but it did come back to him, and now we're seeing him get back to his eight to ten tackles a game and back to his very best. So um, Rockcliffe is a warrior. Um, I, I, I tend to see him as a slightly more um, tough player than what Gary Ablett is. Um, unfortunately, Gary Ablett's more of the finesse type. But if Gaz can come back in a month, and I I mean, I'd back Rocky to do it in four hours, but I'll back him <laughs> to definitely do it this week. So um, I think Rockcliffe owners don't worry too much. If you don't have Rockcliffe, though, I'd be licking my lips at the, the prospect of maybe getting him in a few weeks if you have another underperforming premium. When he does finally come right and start churning out those 120s, it'll be a scary sight, no doubt. Now, on to the Debuton Witherden, 76 this week, and a lot of people are jumping on early. I think that's a, a bit of a crazy call, but at the same time, we'll look at the rookie options later on, and 76 is actually very good from the Debuton. Jizo, did you catch any of his game? He's a silky player. He, he he definitely knows how to find the ball, and he's he's one that the uh, the um, that the Brisbane Lions are very happy. They've given him that little bit of time to come through the knee for and and get that that um, uh, the ball into his hand, so he he gets up to speed with it. Um, he's been playing some some decent um, decent footy with the knee for. Um, you know. Just last week, he had 29 touches, four rebounds from 50. He also had four inside 50s, and he was absolutely elite by foot. A week before that, he had 26 possessions across halfback. Um, absolutely fantastic under pressure. Um, he's going to be a great player. I see that. Um, I don't see him playing out the entire rest of the season. He's the kind of player across halfback that I see. Um, you know, once the, a team um, really gets a hold of Brisbane, I wouldn't say that. G- GWS um, really got a hold of Brisbane for the fact that they still was high scoring both ways. It was almost a bit of basketball in that respect. When GW, say a team takes Brisbane to the cleaners, it's 120 to say 50. Then we'll see what kind of player he's going to be in that side because when they're struggling, that's when we're going to see what kind of role he has. And when you're going from end to end footy all all day, you can just run around chasing it like like Ozkick. But when given you know a specific role in that halfback to shut someone down, I don't think I don't think we're going to see those 25, 26, 27 possession games like we have seen in the last month in the Neefel leading up to his debut. Yeah. So yes or no? Just a, just the quick answer. Should people be jumping on early, or is he a little? too risky for your liking it definitely shouldn't be jumping on early unless you unless you're looking at him as a, a as a, a your last bench option um i wouldn't be jumping on early that's for sure good advice um now it was a game of underperforming premiums some didn't have a choice we touched on beams early with out for the four weeks with a shoulder injury um only 12 for the game unfortunately mummy ended his day very early he was on force we actually tripled his score from the bench which is quite impressive um, Zorko got tagged out of it with just the 51. I don't think that's too much of an issue. Teams probably look at Brisbane and go, do we need to put a player onto one of their players to win the game? Probably not. Um, I don't think Zorko's in too much strife. Probably an outlier score from him. But those who didn't get him and are still looking to do a mid-upgrade uh, late, he'll be very cheap soon. And then Heath Shaw, who we've discussed extensively, um, just the 60 points off nine disposals as well. So I think he's a little lucky to sneak up to the 60. Yeah, and just for the last thing I want to touch on, uh, uh, Dane Zorko, uh, 51 points, but it came from nine tackles. He only had five possessions. So you're talking about effective tactics of tagging against Rory Sloan and, and JJ. I think 
you know, five touches is is a pretty successful tagging, wouldn't you say? You 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 think that other other coaches might see that and say, hey, we can actually take their number one damaging mid out of the game. Yeah, and they made a, a forty eight point margin into a sixty point margin, so they've done well with it. Um, I don't think teams will look too hardly at um, tagging Zorko in the future. I mean, although it was successful and it doesn't look like he can cope too well with the tag, I just don't think teams look at Brisbane as the type of thing that they need to chuck a tagger onto, if if you know what I mean, like a negative midfielder onto. I think they'd rather just have Zorko and their opposition players shake hands at the start and then run opposite directions and uh, just, just assume that they're going to damage him more in the other way. Now, we'll jump into the next game, and it's Bulldogs versus North Melbourne. Bulldogs taking this one by just the point from Jake Stringer. Um, Bonson Pelly 139, as expected. Um, just a great bounce back to form. McRae, 122. And then Dowhouse, 103. So all good scores. Now, I've got a bone to pick, uh, Chizo. Yeah, sure. Go. Sean Higgins. I mean, I made a bet during the week that he'd score 120 plus, and I thought it was a lock-in. I figured, you know, Sean Higgins, the master class, the the um the better version of Gary Ablett. That, I mean, you've heard it all. <laughs> he only had 99, but I feel like the umpire cheated him out of a 120. He was going to kick the game-winning goal, Chizo, and the umpire. Yeah, you're, talk- you're, you're talking about when Stringer tackled him from behind. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Hear me out. Hear me out. The umpire that was five meters away from Higgins did not even tell him. That it was, you know how they they blow the whistle a couple of times and say you've got to, you've only got five ten seconds whatever, or they, he didn't even call play on. The umpire forty meters backwards down the field was the one that called play on. The man on the mark didn't even hear it. The players around Higgins didn't even hear it. Stringer, the closest dude to the umpire, four ovals away, was the only bloke who heard it, <laughs> and he just ran him down. I feel like. Higgins was robbed, and thus he deserved one twenty. But I'm still going to donate thirty dollars because he only got ninety nine. <laughs> oh, I think it's a, a you've got the shot clock on the the big TV screen the whole time. I think you can see Jakey Stringer watching it, putting his arms up, saying it's zero. Then when he hears the play on signal, he just starts bolting in to tackle him. It, it, it's the same with the whole Charlie Dixon thing. You're a grown man. You don't have to have another person in lime green clothing with a whistle to tell you when someone can count to 30. Look at the big screen. If it goes zero, you can start. You have to start running into Chizo, the ball. It's not, it's not difficult. Chizo, he, he's lining up for one of the biggest kicks in his career. The screen's behind him. He's just trying to get his run up right. He's not worried about no bloody screen. He's like, it's his responsibility. The umpire's there. He'll yell out when I need a rush on. That's fine. Got all that. Bam! Stringer from behind. <laughs> I think he was robbed. But anyways... Nevertheless, thirty dollars to the cancer council for that one um, almost makes up for Pistol's twenty dollars that he he gave by me betting on Hawthorne and him betting on. Hey JB, Hawthorne. yes. Do you want some vinegar with those salty chips, mate? I would. I would like some vinegar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the the big thing that we can point out about uh, Marcus Bontempelli twenty only twenty eight touches puts up a one forty. You've got Tommy Mitchell nearly you know nearly fifty touches puts up a one oh one. It's the how he impacts the game, where he gets the ball, how he gets it in a contested possession and what he does with it that really... Look, like everyone always likes putting up comments, oh, Bontempelli's loved by Supercoach. It's really simple if you know how the scoring system works. The problem is so many people are ignorant to it. They don't, they don't bother to look in how these points are accumulated. Yeah, and I mean, Bontempelli's defensive side of his game is just so advanced that... He's almost guaranteed to score well, even with a low amount of touches. Now, we're going to move on to Goldstein with just the 91 this game. Um, just not an option, I think. Uh, due for some rests for uh, Precy later on in the season, when North Melbourne are ruled out of finals calculations, which might never be. Everyone might finish on the same amount of wins this year. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, Jason Johannesson's the interesting one. He, he came back to form a little bit. 19 touches, 3 tackles, 82 points, 356k. Is he the sort of player you'd be looking to get to your D7 spot? Um, well, if I was in a keeper league, I'd be, I'd probably be looking to upgrade Jason Johannesson to a Braden Maynard. He's, he's, he's a pretty <laughs> young player from Collingwood. He's very, very tough at the ball. I'd be looking to... Uh, uh, that's obviously an inside joke from our, that's our keeper league. That's terrible advice uh, as well. <laughs> uh, 
Jason Johannesson, can he get much cheaper than $357,000, JB? Um, the, the thing is, the tag is so efficient of him that the teams that are in the running for the finals are going to try and work out the Bulldogs. You know, you, you know Geelong, um, the, the Swans, all these guys that, uh, that, that will play in the finals are going to try and figure out a way to shut down the dogs. And the fact that he is such an important cog of their, their, you know, their rebound from the defensive 50 and their ability to turn that into a scoring uh, opportunity is why that they, they have put the target on his back um, and you know, even even with 19 touches, he still only put a, a, up an 82, and it just shows me he hasn't been as effective as uh, what he has over the last few weeks. And considering he only had one mark, I'm not seeing that he had the same amount of freedom across that halfback and as getting that ball from the switch and then running off with it like we have seen in previous weeks. Yeah, he's a very risky option. I probably wouldn't be going near him yet. If he pumps out a ton next week, though, he he could be an interesting D7 if you've got the money for it. But then again, a lot of people still have Newman uh, that'll slot perfectly into that role. So very, very lucky. Indeed, we're blessed this year. And next game, we've got... I mean, just first of all, let's let's pause for two seconds here and just acknowledge how good this round was with the amount of close games that we had, Chizo. Yeah, it was pretty fantastic, hey? Okay, now, on to the next game. It was Melbourne by three points over in the West. Um, and as you heard in the intro, a diving show by Clayton Oliver, but he still put out 113 Supercoach points, only to be matched by the big Maxi Gorn with 113 as well. Max Gorn... This week or next week, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit about it later, but I think he's still got a lot of price to drop. 113 is just a great, great return for him. And then we go down the list a little bit. Elliot Yo, 94, he's up to 520k now. If you didn't have him and were looking for a last forward option, he's just golden, isn't he? JJK returns soon, and he'll go back into that defensive role and start training out those 120s again. Look, he's not playing the optimum role. I think you've hit the nail on the head where, you know, I, I, before, I will preface that with an Achilles injury. It is a really week-to-week basis because of how slow repairing tendons and things like that that are. But, you know, 22 disposals, six tackles, four marks for, for Elliot Yo. No goals this week, which is the uh, the thing that really stands out for me because even when he's playing as that uh, that loose across halfback, he still is able to push up into the forward 50 and kick a goal. So um, that's really impressive to me that he's putting up a 94 without him kicking a goal, doing anything out like that. But he, he is that all-around player now. I think we've seen enough to know that he's not going to be that yo-yo that everyone likes to make the joke about. He is going to stand out for, for the rest of the season. Um, the one person I want to, uh, to, to, to point out on top of that is Jack Viney really going to be able to, to stamp his authority on the AFL and actually do this on a consistent basis. He's put up 38 disposals this weekend. We've seen flashes of brilliance, JB, but... Maybe not for this season's super coach. Do you see him in the future finally being able to stamp his name week in, week out? Yeah, he's a young gun and he shows that defensive prowess that you want in your midfielder, getting those tackles for when they're having a bad game. I think this week he was definitely a beneficiary of not having the captain um, or Jack Watts there to steal his points um, per se, but he's definitely one for the um, one for the future and, I mean, one that you can see averaging 110 plus for the next decade even so um i don't think he'll be up there with your bonton pellies and your clayton olivers even um as young guns that'll average one 120 in the future but he's definitely um he's definitely looking like a, a just above average player like your tom mitchell just hover around that 110 hopefully find some consistency um and he's just a wrecking boy he's probably one of the top three players that I would not want running in my direction on a footy field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Michael Hibbert, what are your thoughts on him? He's had 26 disposals, which is pretty much what he was uh, during his career at Essendon. He only had three marks and one tackle. Do you, is he really going to be that 100-point defender that we all thought he might be? The surprising thing with Hibbert is he's had back-to-back games where he's been really down until three-quarter time and then had a decent last quarter. But these are bad games for Hibbert, and he's still posting the 90s. So... I don't think there's much to worry about with Hibbard. He'll he'll end up churning out those 110s again. He just needs to string it together for a full game, uh, Chizo. I'm I'm not worried at all having him in my team. And I still think he's a good trading option if you're considering him. Um, We will jump over to the next game in which uh, Fremantle gave up a decent lead against Geelong. Ended up going down by two points because Walters uh, stole Neil's kick on the siren, which would have got him that decent ton that we all wanted. 
Dangerfield ended up with that decent ton, 145 perma-captain. Is there anywhere else that you would even think of looking in the next 49 years of Supercoach, Tizo? Yeah, well, I took Bont's VC, so I can't really comment on that. <laughs> well, Bont did have a really good score, so I can't really blame <laughs> you for that. But Dangerfield is just in a rich vein of uh, form. With In his last five weeks, I believe it is, a low score of 141. He's just one of the most reliable men to have out there with the armband on. Oh, I mean, come on. He put up 145. Imagine what his score would have been if he actually kicked those three goals instead of three behinds. He would have put up a 180. You know, this guy's an absolute freak. Why do we need to talk about him? Get him in your side. If you don't have him, let's move on. Yeah, if you don't have him, you're in, you're in a lot of strife because he's over 700K now. So. Oh, I, I, one thing I do want to say, that those last 30 seconds for Fremantle, should Lockie Weller have had a shot? Lockie Weller? Yeah, Lockie Weller streaming down the the wing, um, basically ran a hundred meters, run uh, ran off Tom Lonigan on the boundary line, crossing the fifty, getting to forty meters, and then centered it to nobody. I feel like you should have passed it to Lockie Neal, <laughs> just because you just because you wanted him to get sixty points. It's not two thousand and twelve anymore. You don't get sixty points for kicking the match winning goal. Look, I don't know where Lockie Neal was on the field at that point, but he definitely should have centered it to him because Lockie Neal only ended up with ninety four points, going negative ten in the last. Last quarter because Ross Lyon benched him for almost 30% of it. So I assume he was trying to freshen up his young gun for the last barrage, but it really put him out of out of touch for the last 10 minutes because he didn't go near it. So he ended up getting hurt by that. Obviously, they lost the game, which hurt even more, but um, he was definitely looking at a big 140-plus uh, score before that happened. So I wouldn't be too concerned if you chose him over Zach Merritt and Pistol. Don't celebrate too early. There's a lot of weeks left in the season, and Lockie Neal is just getting warmed up. So it takes his coach benching him for, for him to get an average score. Um, Chizo, I, I do have to ask, Zach Tui, if you're an owner, he's at 450, so he's an easy jump to a premium defender. But do you put Zach Tui himself in the category of premium defender, or are 80s and 89s and 75s and the occasional ton just not good enough? Oh, I think it's perfectly reasonable. We've got all these people saying that Nick Newman's a keeper at D6. What's he averaging? 90? You know, they're, they're, over the last five rounds, Zach Tui's gone at 89.8. His career for the season is 89.8. Well, that's not I think 90. We can, I think we can pretty much... If you if you start picked him to start the year, you know he he's literally the exact same price he started, um, plus or minus about two and a half thousand dollars, I think. So um, it's one of those luxury trades, isn't it? Like uh, you can, you've you've been here for fourteen rounds, you can see the guys that you you should really select in the the top ten defenders. And Zach Tui is you know someone that is a luxury trade for me. Same with with Nick Newman. If I had the 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 extra trades to 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 jump up. Um, then I would, but I'd be perfectly happy having him at a, at a, at a D6. Yeah, place. 28 posies and a couple of goals for just 91 is a little concerning to me if I owned him, but like you said, it only trade if you've got them in abundance, so I wouldn't be using my last, second to last, third to last, or fourth to last on him, that's for sure, because he's definitely travelling. All right, anyways, um, Scooter72, he had seven tackles for the game. I swear he had that in the first quarter, so... Um, definitely dropped off a bit. I think he had hamstring tightness again throughout the game. So they might have just told him to take his foot off the pedal a little bit. They didn't have any room on their bench for him. As um, obviously Joel Selwood out in the first minutes with just the three super coach points. Tom Stewart was on about 48 at halftime. And that's what he finished with after getting a, um, a fractured eye socket, I believe it was. So just players going down everywhere. Scooter should be all right for next week. There has been a couple of whispers about him potentially not getting up. That'd just be a nightmare. But still turned out the seventy-two. So I think he's got real, um, he's got a real grasp on averaging that eighty to even a hundred mark for the rest of the season, which I think is great if you can get him to that M nine position. Um, just chuck chuck him on the bench, use the emergency loophole on him every week, and and take those big scores when they come. And then Luke Ryan with just the 49, not quite the 80 that he had last week, Chizo, but still decent enough for a rookie that's just sitting on our bench making money. 
Yeah, uh, potentially that Scharenberg played absolutely fantastically in the in the uh, the the VFL, which we might touch on a little bit later. So uh, every chance that Luke Ryan becomes your D eight, and you don't need to worry about what he's scoring, he's just a, a warm body there that um, could be a, a last minute downgrade for Cash towards the end of the season. Yeah, hopefully that does happen because Scharenberg did have a blinder. We'll touch on that later. Now the next game was the Matthew Cruiser show over. Um, well, they lost the game, but it was the Matthew Cruiser show anyhow. 135 Supercoach points. The man is on fire. We'll touch on him a lot later on. Dustin Martin with 121 in this one. So he hasn't been putting out those 150s, but I don't think you can really complain with 120 pluses. As with Doherty with 120, he was looking to go much, much bigger. Bachar Hooli is the story in this one. If you're holding him as a POD, 570K, he's had a huge month and a half. He's been referred straight to the tribunal. What do you think you'll go for, Chizo? Weeks multiple of weeks. You want to chuck a number on it? or No, I've got literally no idea. When they go straight to the tribunal, it's three plus. They, they're going to... They, they were ballparking the figure that he should get three for it. Man, when your first name's Basher and you Basher someone up like that, you should get at least a month and a half. I'm not responding. Um, <laughs> so we were able to witness the best defender in the game in this one, and he's not Alex Rance. He goes by the name of Liam Jones. So... Um, glad to have seen him. He's definitely not an option, but we do know Pistol is holding him tightly in our Supercoach Keeper League. <laughs> Maybe time to just let him go. You don't need a cult figure, Pistol. It's all about the points, mate. Um, Toby Nankovic, just 62 in this one, but as we said earlier, Tank may be a bit empty, but um, just just to hold hold and hope he gets better. Try and push into that F, um, F7 role. And then Shy Bolton with a 39, someone that you want at your F, um, F13 or somewhere around that, Jose. Uh, <laughs> so nothing too crazy coming from Shy. And then we move on to the last game of the round, and it was St. Kilda by 31 points. Jack Billings, I think he was on a, a, a podcast, someone, someone's podcast. I can't remember. Pistols punt last week. Now. He said, so, everyone get on Jack Billings. So it was our podcast we, we spoke about Jack Billings. That's a great call. <laughs> Um, Look, we don't need a two-day horn, but yeah, Pistols punt likes to put his hand up and say, "Why don't? Why aren't we picking more of these blokes?" And we, he doesn't want us to touch on the whole Dion Prestia thing, which uh, we won't. Uh, but yeah, four out of five ain't bad, Pistol. You should be pretty proud of yourself. Slight disclaimer: Pistol did pay me fifty dollars <laughs> to say that. Um, Jared Harbrow with one hundred and nineteen was the only other ton in this game, which is just craziness. Um, Jared Witts ninety-nine. Um, just a, not a whole lot happening in this one that wasn't. Expected already, bar the drop in form from Dylan Robertson, just 81. I think we spoke about this one, uh, advising people to trade him in. That 81 just so happens to be his absolute bottom price, uh, bottom floor. So I think 81's the lowest you can expect from him. And from a defender, he'll take that every day of the week if he's only going to score it once in a month. So um, interesting people tossing up between him and potentially Jeremy Howe this week. Chizo, do you have a bit of a take on on the two defenders? Um, I, I think Jeremy Howe's a bit more of a proven commodity. I know that Dylan Robinson's had a, an exceptional year and he's he's averaged one hundred and two point three for the year. Um, I think he's just going under under a touch a touch under a hundred for the last five, um, but he's not for me a completely proven commodity yet. I need to see a little bit more. I've watched a fair bit of this game, and I, I'm not entirely sure that he's got the best decision-making. He's, he's pretty good with dis, with his disposal, but when he comes under really intense pressure, he tends to turn it over a little bit. Um, so I can totally see him being a, a, a fantastic selection for the rest of the season. Um, but if I was choosing between the two, the form of Jeremy Howe over the last, uh, say, last three weeks, he's averaging 118. He's just gone to this next level, 105 over his last five. And after a slow start to the season, he's really starting to pick it up and show why um, they definitely wanted him as that, that sweeping halfback role. And he's becoming a little bit more influential in that Collingwood back line. I really see Jeremy Howe as a fantastic option. I mean, chances are that they both average the exact same for the rest of the season, but I think I'd just rather have Jeremy Howe there just by that his form is showing right now and just exactly um, how much of an impact he's making in comparison to uh, the Saints, which aren't really running at full steam ahead at the moment. Yeah, and it's a lot harder to tag someone who just jumps on people's heads for a living. So <laughs> I think Jeremy Howe, he's definitely a safe option to go um, to average 100 plus from here on out. 
But I think Robertson has the higher ceiling in terms of he could average 105, 110 plus. Um, maybe, well, maybe not too high above 110, obviously, just as a defender. But um, I think for strictly talking average, I think Robertson could storm home better. But Jeremy Howe is definitely a, a much safer pick than people are making out to be. And um, when you when you weigh them against each other, it just depends as to whether you want security or whether you're just going to go all in, um, all in for that average from now through the rest of the season. So yeah, absolutely. I think we need to address the elephant in the room, and it's not Pistol uh, visiting. It's um, Tom Lynch, just on thirty nine points. I mean, I don't know if this game's still at quarter time and he's at 39 or if it's over or 39 points, Chizo, back-to-back weeks of just atrocious scores. I will say for those who are um, really doubting their decision-making, I'm considering trading in Tom J. Lynch in two weeks' time when he hits 340K as my F9, F7, F7. So <laughs> um, if you do have him, I'd say hold because I still think he's going to storm home. He looks uh, very low on confidence. He did take eight marks in this game, however. But if you had Lynch, you just can't trade. You can't trade a 400k um, forward. You're not going to get a whole lot back for him. Even if you had the luxury trades, I, I still think his run home will prove very, very good for those who own him, Chizo. You are an owner. What are you thinking? I think he's definitely going to come good. I, there's, there's two aspects to it. I think... His confidence is definitely down. I think Tom Lynch is one of those guys that anywhere from within 45 metres, um, pretty much any angle you're going to go, he's going to donk that through. He's as such an exceptional kick of the footy. He kicked one behind, I think, one on one out of the full on the weekend. And he's, his form, uh, his drop of the ball just looks horrible. Like, he, he's... It just doesn't look like the Tom Lynch that we've seen over the last 18 months turn into an absolute beast of the competition. And not only that, he's not really he's not really striding out as much as what we've seen before. He's not working completely up the ground. Um, what we saw last year where he was really running po- opponents off their legs, a little bit Nick Rewalt-like. I think he's staying a little bit closer to home. I'm not sure if he's got a little niggle or something like that, but he's definitely not extending himself up and down the ground or through his follow-through and the kick. So uh, maybe there's something there. And as you know, the extra pressure that comes with being a captain now, you know, he can't just take a week off to rest up. He he has to be there. Yeah, um, it's a, it's definitely a tough one, but I think he's um, he's he's a hold for most people as he should be. Yeah. Um, and a potential trading option for those who didn't jump on him a few weeks ago uh, for that M7 position. Um, we're going to quickly touch on a few ro- rookies. We're going to start with uh, John O'Beach, Cow Brown, and Brandon Cox. Now, if you had to pick one of them, Chizo, just straight off the top of your head, which is the one that you would be targeting this week? Um, I think Cow Brown. Like uh, uh, Buckley's obviously giving him a chance, and he, he's uh, he's an absolute ferocious beast. He's going to keep fighting his way after the ball. He didn't, you know, he didn't have a fantastic game on the weekend, but you know, uh, uh, anything above forty for these little pressure half for, uh, half forwards, forward pockets is all you can really expect. And at the end of the day, he's never going to be an on the ground player. And he probably shouldn't even be a, a, an F seven or an M nine. So. Um, an average of 47 and a break-even of negative 26 is basically all we can ask for from Callum Brown. Um, the guys like uh, Jonathan Beach, I'm a little bit more sceptical whether he's going to get a game because he's definitely only on the borderline of the best 22, whereas I think Callum Brown is actually bringing something to make the Collingwood side better. And so I'd be more looking towards... Uh, him as a trade-in option or a downgrade option over the likes of a John O Beach. Yeah, 100%. And then when you weigh up the, the 102K loophole option, which much to Pistol's amusement, Josh DeLuca Cardillo, who he'd never heard of before two weeks ago when he mentioned him as a mid-forward option, actually got named and played this week. So if you were weighing up the difference between 15K, as you said, neither are going to have to grace our field anyway. Um, we're probably not really looking for a cash grab at this point. Um, weigh up Cow Brown versus uh, JDC. 15 grand. Is it like, are we all strapped for that strapped for cash that we can't make 15 grand to ensure we get <laughs> someone we that's going to play? I think we are this year. Like, <laughs> like uh, every single year, I, I still remember years where I had Ryan Hargrave in the back line far out. And... I, and and Sam Shaw and these kind of guys where I, I think I ended up in a lot, ran out of trades and there was four rounds left and I had 
two permanent donuts in the back line because I had four guys not playing because I'd, I'd done the downgrade thinking, oh, I'm going to make all this extra money from downgrading to a non-playing rookie. And look where it got me. Like it, I dropped like 50,000 ranks in the last four, four, <laughs> four rounds. You learn from these mistakes and other people should too. Whenever I can help it, I always try and get the cheapest, best option I can. And I would be more likely to get in a Callum Brown or a Luke Ryan, for example, or a D8, than I am to get a 102K player that's going to do nothing and potentially screw me over if I have a couple outs like we did on the weekend. Yeah, I think you raised some fair points there. And um, I think JDC is only, only really important if you map out your trades over the next couple of fortnights and really, really just see how much that 15K is going to mean to you. So it can be very player-specific, but, I mean, speaking speaking from just, I mean, my own experiences, this week I might be considering getting a JDC, um, well, sorry, next week, over a Cow Brown this week, just because that 15K could mean the difference between affording Max Gorn with just one trade or actually having to make two trades just to get that extra 10K, which would be super annoying, obviously. So, um just have a look, map out your, your moves for the next couple of weeks and then and then really just sink your teeth into it and do the I'll, hard maths. I'll, I'll run past one past you here, JB. A little interesting question I never thought I'd have to ask. I thought this would be an easy question one week ago. James Parsons off his 80-odd now has a break-even of nine, projected to make another 40K in the next week or so. Are we forced to hold James Parsons now or is 120 grand going from a Parsons to a Callum Brown good enough to make that trade <laughs> yeah it depends what you're, you're trading for so um, if you need the cash this week I don't think there's any issue trading Parsons at all but if you can just wait that extra week grab the extra 40k and um, and take it to the bank so there's obviously no issue having him on the field if I I mean sorry there is an issue with having him please don't have him on the field there's no issue <laughs> keeping him at him m24 or um or f78 so um definitely bury him in the bench if you've got him but there's no harm in taking that extra coin unless you're giving up a premium score or an upgrade this week so i think it's fine either way um just depends on people's teams i mean i do have a rookie on the bubble 102 a thousand negative three break even tom stewart out with a fractured eye socket Mark O'Connor from Geelong. Any chance that a Mark O'Connor gets a recall and then you can have your 102 defender that is actually playing and on the bubble this week, JB? Uh, who's more likely to pay out of him and the Essendon lad? Ben McNeese. Uh, <laughs> well, Essendon don't have any injuries in the back line that need a running defender. I think we've got about 60 of those. Um, <laughs> Mark O'Connor might get a reprieve with... Uh, Tom Stewart going out. Obviously not a like-for-like player, but it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, One person that will definitely be coming back in the next couple of weeks, I can assure you that, is Matthew Scharenberg there, JB. He had an absolutely fantastic game on the weekend. I think he had 30-plus possessions and named was his his best on or something around that. Yeah, he had 35 disposals, one goal, 13 marks, two tackles, 146 dream team points. And named among the best, so it's not hard to imagine him being named among the best. Hopefully he comes back this week. We are going to quickly run around the grounds with just the other outstanding performances. Your boy, David Myers, had 24 disposals and a goal for a potential reprieve. My boy? Don't blame his, <laughs> his performance on me. No, yeah, I don't, like... don't know. Just because I go for Essendon doesn't mean I get blamed for how poor he was in the yeah, AFL. No, 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 well, no. I've taken Eddie on the chin. Now you got to cop Myers, okay? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> James Cousins had 25 disposals in Hawthorne's side in the VFL, obviously. So hopefully he comes back soon to just provide some, some rest for when we hear all these Fife and Kelly and Pendles and Dangerfield rumours. Um, Jack Steele had 36 disposals if anyone's carrying him, which I, I highly doubt they are anymore. Um, but if you are, 36 disposals hopefully does get a call up this week um, and will be especially handy for those still carrying him in their draft teams. Jared McVeigh came back to the Neafel with 19 disposals, two goals. So I'm not sure if he comes back into that side. Potentially affects Nick Newman's productivity. Um, I think he'll spend another week in the Neafel. Um, he'll do a calf. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't even stress about it. Give, give him another week. He'll do a calf. He'll be fine. <laughs> brutal, brutal honesty from Chizo. And then Will Brody had the 28 disposals and three goals if you have him in your mid-bench. So he's a potential to come back this week as well. But so is Gary Ablett. So I'm not quite sure he'll be among the names. 
Um, just on the Cancer Council quickly, this is generally pistols shebang, so we're going to leave it for Thursday. Um, we did surpass 3K during the week. Um, that was mainly thanks to Pistols $20 for um, <laughs> betting on Crows over Hawthorne, just a silly bet in hindsight. Um, <laughs> I mean, Hawthorne were always going to win that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of year, mate. Imagine if I actually tipped him. That would have been double good. <laughs> Still got the tip wrong, though. And then it was JB donating $30 for Sean Higgins as he was robbed by the umpires and was due to no fault of his own. Jeez, I'm... Yeah, no, we've definitely covered it. <laughs> um, no, you don't want to revisit it? Are you sure? No, definitely want to cover it. Simon also gave $40. He says $10 for each donut that he had over the buy rounds. Love the podcast. We love you, Simon. Great thanks, job, thanks Simon. Thanks for donating to the podcast. Simon says, everybody, Simon says, donate to the podcast. There you go. One thing that I, I, I have uh, been storing away here, JB, that I do want to get your thoughts on, it's uh, everyone's been waiting for Max Gorn. I know, we, we, he's had that injury. Um, if you look at his scores, he's put up 128 and 111, then got injured for 27, and then put up another 113. And you take out that injury score, he's averaging 120. Are people getting a little bit carried away saying that they're going to skip Max Gorn and get Matty Cruiser in this week? I think they're insane, Chizo. And I think the main number that sticks out for me, because Cruiser's killing it as well, let's not get that mistaken. They're both going to be the top end Ruckmans at the end of the season. Um, Cruiser does have an injury history, but I mean, so does Max Gorn now. So it's, let's just say that they've got the same amount of injury risk. They're going to score the exact same for the rest of the season, which I think is a bit of a stretch. Cruiser might drop off whilst Max Gorn is only going to get better with form as he gets back into it. But the main stat that stands out to me, Chizo, is the the 135k difference that there could be between them in a week's time. That's insane. That's a crazy amount of money for, um, for I mean, we just don't have money this year. Greenwood's been one of our best rookies, and he's only just come about in the last fortnight. So... Um, I, I just think it's too much of a jump. Gorn is going to be so cheap, so, so cheap. If Gorn was a midfielder at 515k scoring like he was, we'd all be on him faster than you could say Max Gorn. So I think he's just such a such an obvious option for all the right reasons. I think he is the only option if trading in a Ruckman in the next 8 to 12 years. Jeezo, maybe an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it's worth actually talking about what Cruz is doing because not only is he showing why he was the top selection, you know, a dozen years ago, but he's put up 136 average over the last five. That's Dangerfield numbers. Like he's been in absolute fantastic form. 137 across his last three. The guy. I'll just read out his last what seven, eight games. 127, 101, 121, 146, 132, 144, 135. He's just been absolutely jetting it. This this is the real deal. I I never thought I'd ever say this about Matty Cruiser, but this is legitimate the real deal. Do you know what that scoring reminds me of? Max Gorn. Max Gorn last year. So (laughs) he's he's still 115, 120, 100 and whatever K cheaper. I think Max Gorn is just the premier option for a reason. You can't ignore Cruiser's form because he's been sensational. And again, if he was a ruck mid, we'd all be jumping on him. But considering everyone's settled with their wits or their Goldsteins or their Stefan Martins as their R1... I think it's it's just plainly obvious that Gorn is that that cheap cheaper sorry player that's going to average similarly if not more than Cruiser, and it, it's just he's just cheaper he's so much cheaper Jesus. So if, if they were the same price, this decision would be incredibly tough. If they if they'd both been going this whole year at like if Max Gorn had never been if Max Gorn had never been injured. They would be priced exactly the same, and they'd probably be averaging exactly the same right now, and the decision would be much tougher. But the fact that Max Gorn is going to be dollars $120,000, $140,000 cheaper, it's, just, it's an easy decision for me. It's Max Gorn every day of the week. And plus, he's just a legend. Yeah, he makes, a, he makes our minds up for us. And although he still doesn't have his beard back, he's still just a, the bearded legend. So... Um, you look at Cruz's head and you just go, oh, you just you just not Max Gorn. <laughs> so, unfortunately for Cruiser, outstanding year, and he's he's going to be one to look at next year. And if you got him off your waiver wire in the draft league, which I, I dare say would have been on a few people's, then you are absolutely laughing to the bank. But Gorn is the better option, and I think it is it is quite obvious. So, 
the, the last thing I do want to touch on, because we've had a few people uh, inboxing, is this the week to get Max Gorn? This week is definitely not to get Max Gorn. He's got a break even at 184. He's still going to come down a minimum of 30K, more than likely. Uh, whereas uh, Matty Cruiser, he's got a break even of 91. He's 630K. is only going to go up. I think... Just wait that extra week. We've got Hugh Greenwood, which is uh, he's been absolutely killing it for us. Like particularly coming off last week, you'd be happy. And the the fact is, he's got a, a break even of negative twenty one. So you know those guys that do have Hugh Greenwood, just you know hold off, wait for Max Gorn to come down another week, and Hugh Greenwood make you that extra fifty k. It's just an easy decision for me, JB. Yeah, I've got the predicted changes, uh, the predicted difference in price between the two at sixty. Um, sorry, one hundred and sixty k. After this round, so I mean that's minimal. 160k. A lot of people have that from their last upgrade. I mean I've got 90k just sitting there, so it's just the 70k downgrade and straight up to him. So um, Greenwood's predicted to finish at around 350. I think that that could even be uh, low considering how well he played. He could get close to that that 90 mark again, and then Gorn expected to go down to the 515k mark with a ton. So I mean it's just it is all laid out for us Jizo. yeah absolutely uh totally on board with that jb and uh, uh i think that pretty much wraps up my my whole thoughts on the max gorn maddie cruiser situation so everyone else stop inboxing me <laughs> and i think that, <laughs> that includes you pistol um and i think that, <laughs> only pistol yeah definitely that wraps up our whole podcast Jizo. so thank you so much for filling in for pistol um just just Please do it again every week. Mate, it's been absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure what Mrs. Cheezo will think about that, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, might have to get her permission first. Um, obviously, you can find us on the iTunes. Every review there is greatly appreciated. We've been getting a lot of reviews on the Facebook lately, Cheezo. That is very, very helpful for people looking out for some sports pages. Um, obviously, you can find us via the Facebook post. Chuck a comment down there, and we'll get to it as soon as we can. We always get to those during the week, Cheezo. We find some time whenever there is any um, the SoundCloud, we check the comments on there all the time as well. So just, just find us on any platform, comment anywhere, and we'll get back to it. And then do you want to plug the email quickly, Chizo? Uh, it's drscpod at gmail.com. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to Fozzie Wolf, one of our, uh, our lifelong Dr. Supercoach supporters. Dr. Supercoach is a great Facebook page, amazing podca- podcast with fantastic people running it all. Fozzie, we love you, mate. Wait, wait, Chizo, was there a review from, from like a... a- a Gore, I think his surname was. Do you, if you're there, do you want to quickly read that one out? Jimmy Gore, love the page. Best source of knowledge. I think you need to get some spell check there, Jimmy. J, J- B. No, we did. That's definitely the uh, the entirety of his comment. He's uh, he's been fantastic. Thanks, Jimmy Gore. <laughs> that wraps us up for the week. Thank you, Jizo. No worries, mate. Good to hear from you. I've taken Eddie on the chin. I've taken Eddie on the chin. I've taken Eddie on the chin. Shebang. <laughs>